Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne While our world of education has gone through a complete metamorphosis filled with challenges and shifts, let's look at this with a variety of lenses. What have we learned? How do we move forward? And is there a silver lining? Today, let's get down to the nitty-gritty of the topic that we all can't stop talking about. Laura Reedy, mom to three children, one in elementary, middle, and high school, shares her different experiences her children had and what she hopes will be the future of school life. I had the opportunity to speak with Laura. Let's listen in. Laura, I want to thank you for speaking with us today and sharing a bit about your experiences in terms of remote learning. Why don't we just start where you have three children and so perhaps potentially three very different experiences in terms of remote learning that we were thrust into last spring. What was your experience at home? We had three different experiences. First of all, they were all odd because this is an odd situation, but everyone tried to make the best of it. I have an ele elementary school student who I think had a pretty good experience. And by that I say uh, she thrived. She adjusted very quickly. She had teachers that were very caring, contacted her often. She was very lucky to have both asynchronous and synchronous class classes. And that seemed to help a lot. My youngest is very goal oriented. And so this method, the remote learning worked for her because everything was listed she set goals had timelines and it really worked very well for her uh, my middle one i don't think this worked as well for him but i have to say that it wasn't for a lack of people or teachers trying uh, a lot had to do with his style of learning he's also a middle school child and so that means it's a lot more teachers it's just i think much more complex and it was difficult to have as many asynchronous classes versus synchronous classes, or I should say the other way, I'm sorry, synchronous classes versus asynchronous classes. And so that with him affected him a lot, and we had not realized how often he really connected with teachers and how that piece was very much missing for him. He did have some teachers reach out personally to him and some emails, but he did not get that live instruction often. and. It just seemed to affect him greatly. That said, he got a lot of support through emails, everyone, anytime he questioned anyone, they got back to him in less than 24 hours. So he never felt alone or anything like that, but it was a more difficult experience for him. My oldest had a pretty good experience. He's a high schooler. He was a freshman, but also personality related. Uh, he tends to be more introverted. And so remote learning can be really good for some introverted children. He works very well on his own and is very organized. And 
His classwork was very organized. The resources were easy to access. So in his case, I think he had a very, very successful experience also. But I will say this, all three of them, they have wonderful teachers. There is no blame here. This was very difficult. And I also know that many teachers faced their, a lot of difficulties. They were sick. Some of all my children had teachers that had gone through something, either they were sick or had a friend that was sick. I hope that everyone listening to this is understanding that, that we're just discussing this so we can do better, but without blame. Absolutely. So what I hear you saying is that really depending on the learning style and the personality of a child, both of those factors can have an impact on the success of remote learning. So now you've, like you said, we, everyone went in with good intentions of making this work overnight. Basically, we had to switch from what we've done to something brand new. But now we've, we're moving forward. And so I'd love for you just to share, you know, what you feel you need in order for remote learning to be more successful moving into the fall? That is a really interesting question. I thought about this a lot, what I need. I don't think I need so much because I think there are so many resources that were given and will be applied again. I'm much more concerned about people who don't have access to internet. I think I do. And so that is the number one thing that I'm concerned about. There's so many families, and there are still so many families that do not have access, good access, good bandwidth. That is a big concern for me. That's my greatest concern. And full disclosure, I would like us to go remote learning. I'd like us to focus on just remote learning. I would love in my, in my world, we go in, scheduled properly, have the kids meet the teachers, have them assessed, and then we are focused 100% on, on remote learning. I don't know if we can do this hybrid well without putting so many other pressures on teachers. It is just exhausting. I think some parent you on these kind of platforms, whether it's Seesaw or Schoology, whatever it may be. And one thing I did find difficult was finding homework. What made my fifth graders experience so easy from my perspective was that I could do a quick check-in, see what homeworks she had, check that they were done. And with my high schooler, I was able to, he's in a different school district. I was also able to do that. With my middle schooler, I could not do that. I think you touched on a number of things that will resonate for many of our listeners. One, this idea of there being an orientation, an opportunity for connection with students and teachers. And I also think that what you said about having trainings for parents, right, support opportunities if this is going to be more of a regular component of learning then it's our job to make sure that we can learn as much and partner with families in this new way and just one other thing you know Laura as we're talking you, you mentioned access and so that I know that is a concern for you and for others and I also just want to say that you've done so much to make sure that other needs that families have in terms of connecting or providing access to the food pantry so that things like access could be their focus it was really important. And I'm sure that what we see here in our local community is what is being mirrored in other places where people are coming together for the greater good and to support and uplift one another and giving in any way that they can. Hopefully we'll continue to see that. And I just want to thank you, right, for sharing your experience. It sounds very similar. And while, yes, it'll be interesting to watch what the educational scene looks like moving into fall 2020. Well, it'll be wonderful to watch. 
uh, because we're moving forward and we're a community that works so hard to thrive and succeed. We're always trying to help everyone succeed in all sorts of realms. So I'm so grateful for you. This is wonderful. Thank you for having me. We heard how Laura's experiences for each of her children heavily depended on learning styles and personalities. Laura also shared about her community concerns as an active parent in our community. As we heard, connection and training are key for success. Petronila Rodriguez, bilingual reading specialist, converses with segment producer Yarina Sencion about the challenges and surprises during those beginning months during the pandemic and how reflection is necessary to move forward. Thank you for so much for joining me today, Petrolina. I know what a passionate educator you are and what a person of service you are. And so I really appreciate you engaging in this conversation with me today. One of the things that we've been talking about is our bilingual families in the light of remote learning. And what has surprised you the most in terms of challenges faced by bilingual families related to remote learning? First of all, thank you so much for inviting me. I love to be part of this episode. There are many things that have surprised me. For as long as I can remember my years in education, I have been working with families, empowering them, empowering them to literacy. And later, I would say within the last 10 years, I have been focusing a lot more on technology and how technology is, the, is a, a literacy. And we have to make sure that our families are prepared and equipped to support students. And all up until, I would say, March, when the pandemic really kicked in, we would think that we were ready. We, we have a lot of supports in the schools. We have a lot of devices that students can use. But now everything came, uh, became a lot more evident. They have and they have not because we... We know that there are different classes, even within schools. We know that there are students who are equipped with resources and there are others that don't, but we are there to provide that equilibrium and to, and to, and to give them that equity and access. But now that we are in remote learning, we are finding out that that is not enough. We did not prepare our families sufficiently. There, there have been times in which I'm speaking to families, trying to guide them on how to use different platforms. And it is painful to see because I think as educators, yes, we need to focus on the students, but the students don't come by themselves. They come with their families. If we are not equipping the family, then we are missing a big, big part of what education is. You know, I have to agree with you. When I was an early on teacher, I used to think, okay, this is my student. And I close my door and I'm just gonna focus on my student. But really, you're right. We're really educating families and empowering families. And, and I, I really see the validity in that and how that is a much bigger contribution than just focusing on our one student. So thank you for that. So how do we prepare and arm bilingual families for the possibility of extended remote learning? The last couple of years, I have been doing a lot of meetings with families, have a lot of family groups and educating them on how to support students with reading. Because as a reading specialist, that is my 
main concern. But I I think we we missed a big part of showing them how technology has become such a huge part in education. And whether we go back to an online system, to a hybrid of online and in-person or just to in-person, one of the greatest lessons that we need to take away from this pandemic is that we need to have a better system to support families and that we know that not all families are the same and they don't come with the same resources, but even more when it comes to technology, because yes, we understand that some families are literate and others are not, but what about the technology? We give it for granted because so many people are on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We think, well, they are technology literate. And the fact that they are able to post something on Facebook doesn't mean that they understand the workings on how to download an app or how to reboot if the app is not working at that time or where can they go to find more information about something that they don't understand. And I think that's where we really need to start with our teaching now, because if we do have to go back to this online system, we did the best we could because everything happened so quickly. And I am so grateful for my, all my colleagues and how they all jump in and try to support their students in the best way possible. This has taught us a lot of good lessons that if we reflect and if we really think deeply about how we can support our families, we can really take it to an advantage now because we would have never been put in a position in which the whole school needs to learn these platforms that we are using. But now we, we have, we did an experiment. Now we need to look at what worked in that experiment that we were put in and what didn't. So just educating families, making sure that we don't just settle down, but as a time to really equip our families. If we can provide little clinics to really show families, small groups of families in which they feel comfortable asking questions, because that's the other thing, um, especially in our Latino population. I do notice a lot, sometimes they have questions about things and I can almost see it in their faces, but they won't ask until somebody else asks the question and then they follow up. They feel so unsure and they don't want to ask the wrong question because they don't even know what the right question, they think there should be a right question and they don't know what that is. So just thinking about um, how do we empower them to really explain that they don't understand something and that it is okay. What if you don't know how to get into that website? How can you get in there? And having some other parents who have been successful at navigating the system, maybe being there at the elbow with them so that they feel more empowered. I think we have a lot of work to do with families to make sure that they are equipped to support students. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you saying really clearly is that planning is going to be crucial not only for our students, but for our families and having many clinics and establishing parent partnerships and mentors is going to be key, literally, in turn keying others know so that we can really maximize, right? Because there's only one of you. While you are committed and have helped hundreds and hundreds of families, 
if we could uh, replicate you and have other families <laughs> teach each other and use each other as a resource. That is the power of networking, of advocacy, and and. But and it's also going to be um, reflective of what what have we learned from this and. Honestly, because I, I love technology and I see the power of technology and I see technology as a social justice matter. I really do. And I keep bringing it up to all my meetings for reading when we are talking about the students who are NASA sitting in reading, the students who need me, who need remedial reading. And I keep bringing back the fact that technology is a social issue matter. We need to bring technology to the forefront of the conversation. There are so many other things that, yes, we need to make sure we have uh, books accessible to students, that we have different topics, that we reflect different characters, but we need to keep bringing technology to the forefront. And with that in mind, when I started the school year, all of my classes, I, was, I had them on a platform and they were using a platform from the beginning of the school year, not ever knowing that they were gonna have to use that independently because I was in the classroom with them. So if I had them turn an assignment, I was there to guide them if they didn't know how to do it. And that was, again, one of the big realizations for me, because even though I thought I was preparing them to use technology in, a, in the most efficient way, when they went home and now the teacher was no longer there, there was a lot of confusion that I was not expecting. So, and then I, I reflected on that and I said, okay, so, so what happened? How was I doing using the technology that now they are not able to, to remember how to use certs? And then I realized, you know what? This is, this is very traumatic for everybody. And we do say when something traumatic happens, people tend to forget how to do certain things. They have other things that they need to cope with teach the families because now they are the adults. They need to be ready because even if I am teaching them the, the students the technology during the school year to get them ready, we need to have a system in which, a backup system in which we can count on some other adults that are gonna be there because these, these times can be very traumatic for a little child. We need to really sit back and think about what were some of the big lessons that we learned as a whole community and how we are really going to try to even the playing field for our students. And if we don't sit back and reflect and really write something down of our experiences and our lesson learned from this year, then this will really all happen for nothing. And what do we need to get there? Because now, I mean, it, it doesn't get any more real than where we are right now. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Petronilla reminds us that through reflection, we can make the necessary shifts to be of service to students and families. Reform and change many times happen whether we are ready or not. And yes, we are reminded that technology equity is a social justice matter. Yarina and I close out today's episode with a conversation of what have been the breakthroughs in education during this pandemic, the silver lining, if you will. So Yari, I'm sure that you feel just like me, whether you're talking to a friend, 
whether you are looking at the news or you're listening to something, all we seem to hear about all the struggles that are going on with regard to online and remote learning, hybrid learning. But you know what? Uh, I think it's time we help our listeners think about the lemonade, right? How we can take the lemons of this pandemic and, and what the silver lining is with all of this focus on technology. So what comes up for you? What's the silver lining? So I really appreciate us pivoting and really looking at this with that lens. Because as a teacher, it's hard work. There's no doubt about it, but there have been some really beautiful things that have happened for our students, you know, Uh, for the millions of families who didn't have devices dedicated for their children to do extra work or to play a game. That has been an equalizer right now, right? We have devices for every student to use as part of their studies. For the families that didn't have Wi-Fi, we've been able to provide some means for them to connect to the world at large and for the students to have access to that because that that supports their learning. And for me, it's also been the parent involvement and engagement. Like parents understand like what their children are doing is so different what they had to do as youngsters and that really they're a true partner in the process. Without them, encouragement and and being supportive of their children and really having authentic conversations about what did you learn and how do you know that? And having those conversations, like the engagement level is so high. Uh, I think that, that those have been some of those silver lining moments that I've experienced that I'm happy about. For sure, I think the idea about more communication or enhanced communication and greater engagement, because before, if someone couldn't show up to an in-person event, then you missed out. But now we've had to find new ways using these apps like Jojo and Remind, using Facebook Live, using call-outs, a variety of ways to get the message across to our families, for sure. And along with that, it's really helped us to be more creative, to really step out and think out of the box You know, how can we still celebrate without being physically near each other? How do we create community and connectivity regardless of what's going on? And in many ways, as this seems like we're far apart from each other, it's truly brought us closer together. I see teachers collaborating more and helping each other more because it does take a village to pull all these pieces of the puzzle together. And I'm excited by that. Parents are not depending on my expertise. They're depending on on all these teachers' expertises now, how much richer our curriculum can be. As I sit here, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about it as a teacher, as a parent, but also as an administrator, right? The idea that we're able to provide like this repeated exposure of a lesson on demand for children, not just at the secondary level, starting in K. How great, right, for parents to be able to reteach or to support for a child who needs to go back to something because they didn't quite get it that first day. That's amazing. Or the idea that if somebody's absent, that they're not just going to get a packet of papers with their name on it. They're actually going to be able to see that instruction that was recorded in advance of them being out to build from. 
And I think the other piece is that as a field, education has struggled with the way to incorporate technology across the board. Well, we no longer have that struggle because every educator now has technology as part of his or her practice. I'm certain that we're not going to go backwards, just like once this pandemic ends, we're not going to say, oh, we're not going to have children borrow tablets or partner with, you know, broadband companies and cable lines so that we can assist families with Wi-Fi access. So there are just certain things that definitely make me feel like, yeah, there is a silver lining. We can always talk about the negative, but, but let's talk about all the positives that came as a result of us thinking differently. And like you said, if I use that word, right, pivoting. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, another thought came up for me. The power of that repeated lesson is not just for the child, but what about for the parent who maybe doesn't understand what the essence of a unit or a topic can be? Like so many times at parent-teacher conferences will say, oh, you know, you can do this with your child. But like, they get to listen to that lesson too and have a real authentic conversation about that. You know, I think there's so much power in all of this. This is going to go down in history, not just as like what COVID did, you know, it's done many things, but like it's going to be a revolutionary conversation that we're going to see in the history books in education. Yes, and of course, I just, it would be remiss, right, if we didn't give a shout out to all of our teachers, because parents yes. now have a bird's eye view of how difficult it is to be a teacher, whether you are the one supporting them at home because they're fully remote, or if you're listening in because you're helping them through the hybrid model for the few days that they're in and the few days that they're home. So many parents are just like, oh my gosh, I never really appreciated an educator until this happened. And I think that shift in the way educators are viewed, especially in this country, has to be the one of the biggest silver linings in all of this. Absolutely. We love our teachers and we thank you for everything that you're doing, things that you're doing that we don't even know that you're doing. We thank you. We appreciate you. And onwards with the silver lining. Yes. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share by sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm bilingual in America and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast. You are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback. Follow us, like us, share us.